Welcome to Nerds of the Round Table, a podcast on a quiz for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. And I'm Dwayne. Now I'm Sammy. And on this episode, we are kind of, sort of, continuing Jack Black Month. <laughs> he's, he's in there. You, you <laughs> showed him. Yeah, don't, don't blink real hard. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you can't those off. A little, yeah, little but, more but than a cat. We are reviewing The Cable Guy to close off Jack Black Month. Uh, or maybe to begin Jim Carrey month. I'm not sure what we're doing here. Um, this is, but this was my pick, and so it's my fault. I'm to blame. Um, but this was, um, this, this, I think this, part of what brought this to, to mind for me, I think this was the first time I remember seeing Jack Black in anything. And uh, for whatever reason, this role for him really stuck out to me. Like, I, I found, like, as I watched this, you know, when it, when it came out, um, I just found him to be a really memorable character in the movie. And so when we're talking about Jack Black movies, this one was at the front of my brain, even though he's a small character, I, he just always stuck out to me here. So I, that, that's why I picked it as a Jack Black movie. Hey, I think it's the basketball scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he's a lot more straight guy in this movie than he's been, especially in his early movies. You know he's such he's such a character. He's so animated. He's almost you know takes Jim Carrey's role in, his, in the movies he stars in. But this one, he really plays a, an appropriate supporting role, which really shows him some range. You know he mm-hmm. he doesn't have to be that physical, hilarious you know uh, scene stealer like he was in High Fidelity. He doesn't have to be the 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 physical goof that he was in Nacho Libre. Yeah, the only physical comedy he has in this movie is his attempt to play basketball. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but there, but you but you can see a little sliver like when 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 he solves the riddle of who Chip is, mm-hmm. there's a little bit of future Jack Black kind of poking out through the face there. You can see mm-hmm. like the, the, it gets a little bit of a manic expression. Yeah, 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 you can see the 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 manic there. You can see the manic there. But you know, this is the Cable Guy, 1996, directed by Ben Stiller. I know there was a hundred channels back then. But guys, there's a hundred seconds we need to take and give our audience what we've been getting into here lately. So let's go to our Keeping It 100 section. It's time to keep it 100. 100. 100. 100. As right. Bruce Springsteen sung, there's 57 channels and nothing on. But now Sorry. we've got 5,700 channels and nothing on. Still nothing on, right? We got fifty-seven streaming services, man. <laughs> That's probably an understatement. Okay, I'm up first, and here we go. I finally made it back to the theaters, and my first movie was an MCU movie. Um, Disney didn't even give us the option of doing the uh, you know, the access movie or whatever, but um, I saw Shang Chi this week. Or Shang-Chi, as I'm supposed to say it now, um, despite 40 years of comics history. Um, but it was a really good time. And I, I don't know how, whether to say whether it's better than Black Widow or not. I, I saw there's lots of comparisons online about that. Um, but it's a, it's a really good movie. Um, it's got a lot of really great action. Um, and here, I'm, here's a little teaser for you guys. They hired the Jackie Chan action team. To come choreograph all the fight scenes for this movie. Yes. And you can feel it. So there's, there's some Jackie Chan action in this movie. Um, it's really funny. I didn't really know who Aquafina was. I, I haven't watched her TV show. Haven't seen any of her stand up. She's really funny in this movie. And even um, 
Yeah, the guy that plays Shang-Chi, I can't say his name either. Uh, he's really funny, too. Um, there's likable characters. There's a few little connections to MCU, but it doesn't overwhelm the movie. We don't have a stealth Avengers movie here. Um, it's just a Shang-Chi movie. Um, it's far from perfect. It's got flaws. Um, there's a few characters that, you know, I don't know. Try to be nice here. And there's a, there's a few characters I didn't care for. Um, maybe it would have recast, but it's a really good movie and it's Marvel letting a movie just stand alone for the most part. And it hasn't been one of those in a while. So I, I really enjoyed that aspect as well. So I definitely recommend Shang, Shang-Chi or Shang-Chi. I will never be able to say that. It will be Shang-Chi until the, the, the day that they put me under. So. <laughs> He's been Shang-Chi since like 1976. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'm going with the Arsenio's Hall line from uh, from Arsenio Hall's line from uh, Coming to America. Mama named him Cassius. We won't call him Cassius. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you think with the you just hear the accents, we should get a pass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the Appalachian accent doesn't work very well with you know Chinese well, names. Well, here, here here's the, the the only thing. I believe he's a Jim Starlin character, and Jim Starlin says Chang Chi. <laughs> I heard that as well, but yeah. I don't think that matters these days. <laughs> Foggy knows all, right? Yeah. No, but it was a good movie, and it, you can tell. Like when I found out after I watched it that they had the Jackie Chan choreography team there, it's like, yep, that makes sense. Cool. <laughs> yeah, just the the action is worth it, and, there, and there's a lot of action. At one point, one of my kids leans over to me and says, "Man, it's a lot of fun in this movie." <laughs> cool, cool. Yeah. Well, that that brings even higher on my radar. It's been on my radar, but I have not that, as hectic as as my weeks have been lately. Not been able to get to the theater to watch it. And Disney very controversially, uh, you know, has has not decided not to release it on the streaming service. But it, but it's a small window. It's only a forty five day window. No. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think it was used to be ninety days, didn't it? Ninety days, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it was yeah. ninety, ninety then sixty. Uh, I think was Black Widow done done sixty uh, from there, but they did the premiere access, yeah, they, and then they released it like sixty days later. It's supposed to be available to stream for free yeah. with the Disney Plus, yeah. Yep. So they're 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 playing with their times there, but uh, yeah, but the forty five days, I think that may have been an. an you know, an, a concession to to get that theater only release. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm going to go next, guys, and I'm going to keep it Disney or keeping it in the the mousedom here. Um, but we're we're going to a recent acquisition, a more recent even than Marvel. We're going to a Star Wars Visions. I haven't seen very many episodes. I've only seen one episode. And guys, as we discussed earlier, it wasn't even the first episode. But I come through the house, and my son's watching this. I'm like, what are you watching? He's like, Star Wars Visions. I'm like, oh, without me. And, then, you know, <laughs> sit down and, and, and we watch a little bit of an episode. And uh, man, is it ever fun. It's definitely, you know, and, and I hate that that they had to release a statement. This is not canon. Of, you know, of course, not everything's going to be canon. You know, we, we need to use our minds as fans. And realize this, but man, is it ever beautiful? Is the storytelling ever fun? You know, and you're taking this universe and these characters and these situations into the anime style, which is very distinct, very unique, and I think really services the vision that Lucas had in an excellent way. 
but yeah, the the visuals and even even the episode I saw, the visuals, man, were just breathtaking and stunning. And the storytelling, you know, it was a different take on on Luke and Leia was was the one that I watched, and it was very, very interesting, very unique. So check out Star Wars Visions. Right. I think Jamie and I talked about we've watched the first episode, correct? So the yeah. duel. So there's definitely a Kurosawa feel to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it definitely harkens back to to that, I think, as far as especially that first episode, for sure. Yeah, I, th- I think that motion would carry with the three of us. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I, th- I, th- I think we're all digging it. Oh, yeah. All right, gentlemen. So um, for our last episode I got to talk about one of those important dates in geek history with September 8th, Star Trek Day, right? This week, I get to pull out another important day for us roundtable nerds, and that is International Hobbit Day on September 22nd. Happy birthday, Bilbo and Frodo. That's right. But this was the perfect moment to talk about a new podcast that I've been listening to for a few weeks now called The Tolkien Road. Uh, This podcast really delves into the work, the life, and the inspirations of J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, Similar to my co-host, Safram, the podcast is actually hosted by a husband and wife team, uh, John and Greta Carswell. Uh, New episodes release on Mondays. There is a vast back catalog. Uh, 257 was the newest episode, so they've got a huge back catalog. They've done this for a while, obviously. Um, whether you're a longtime fan of Tolkien's work or just getting into the lore, getting ready for uh, Lord of the Rings on Amazon kind of deal, this is really a great podcast to help you explore the many wonders of Middle Earth. And that's why the Tolkien Road is my keeping 100 for this week. I thought you were going to go Batman Day. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I, I looked at it, but I've not done any Batman lately. So. Yep. I, kn- I knew it was really going to be Hobbit. I knew it was be Hobbit related uh, due to the date, but I didn't know where you were going there. It sounds like you just crowded my podcast feed a little more, Sam. <laughs> I've already I added mean, it. I mean, it gets, <laughs> it gets really deep. It's like part research study, part entertainment fanning, you know, kind of deal. But it's really cool to get into. They really get deep into the religious aspects of it, as well as, uh, you know, of, of Tolkien's writing, uh, the Catholic, Catholic aspects of it. Uh, mm-hmm. And then from there, just like where the, the latest book, the uh, Nature of Middle Earth release, they've been talking about that a little bit. They'll have guests on there. So it's pretty cool. Those are not short episodes either. <laughs> no, they're not. They're almost an hour apiece. So sometimes maybe a few minutes longer. <laughs> is that the, the, the Tolkien Road is what you said? Yep, the Tolkien Road. It's good though. Go. It's almost like they're doing like a uh, like a grad doing grad school research in Tolkien or something. Yeah, it's a lot like that. So uh, if you're into that, that's definitely a it's a cool podcast to get into. Cool, cool. Well, fellas, I think those are some pretty good recommendations for our listeners there. Um, how about we turn our attention back to the cable guy though? So, Dwayne, what were your opening thoughts and grade for the cable guy? Well, having not seen this movie, not knowing quite what to expect, because I knew this was mid-90s Jim Carrey. So I know he's, you know, around the mask, dumb and dumber. But I got a lot of me, myself, and Irene vibes from this movie. 
this is dark comedy gore. I mean, galore. Uh, there's just a lot of, you know, darkness and, 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 and sadistic humor here, which is sometimes right up my alley. Jim Carrey, I, I believe uh, Edna put it succinctly with referred to Jack Black, but I think we can we can take this here too. He's a bit much at times, <laughs> kind of a lot, especially yeah. in this movie. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. But really, I enjoyed it. This was a fun movie. It had a really neat uh, take on society. It, it kind of had something to say. wasn't too preachy. Uh, I, I loved, you know all the mid nineties ness of it uh, was, was, was great, but uh, I, I, I'm giving this a B. All right. Uh, you know, I totally have to ag- agree with Dwayne. I mean, this is dark comedy. I mean, you know, when you think of Jim Carrey, you know, around this time, he was starting to really become a household name. I mean, from in living color. And then as he starts working into the, the, the cinema, the movies themselves, you know, he starts becoming really popular. And this was almost like comparing this to some of the other movies. It's almost like taking the grim fairy tales and putting them up against Disney's films. Right. <laughs> it's that kind of dark twist on sometimes what we think is an off the wall type of actor and character. So I found myself, though, laughing a little bit more at the characters around Carrie, uh, Stephen's family, you know, Andy Dick and the Knights at Medieval Times. There were some really funny moments there. Um, all the little small cameos. I mean, the, uh, people that, you know, I recognize, you know, it's like, oh, I remember that person kind of deal. Um, and it's really a tale of toxic friendship. So to me, that was a little disturbing. Uh, it challenges the idea of what I really think humor is. And sometimes it borders a little bit more on like psychosis of menace. Um, <laughs> But but as I started researching, though, there was something in the water in 1996, obviously. You had the cable guy, Scream, Mark Wahlberg's Fear. So you've mm-hmm. got a lot of this similar theme of manipulation and control over a, another person uh, happening in cinema in that same year. So uh, I went with B- minus on it. But, uh, you know, there were some moments that, that I could appreciate. So. <laughs> That's 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 better grades than the cable gets gets in a lot of places. Um, <laughs> I don't love this movie as much as I did. Um, I mean, co- college era Jamie was watching this. I mean, this was like on a loop almost. I loved this movie. There was like it and like three or four other movies that I was just watching constantly. Um, I still love the movie. Um, I think it's aged for the most part really well. And actually, for some of the um, the message in the movie may, may land even harder now than it did then. Like some of the things it was trying to address about society are even more of a problem now than it was then. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's far from perfect. I mean, <laughs> I mean, like I said, there was like one or two characters I wasn't crazy about in Shang-Chi might've recast. I mean, there's several characters in this movie. <laughs> they either didn't know what movie they were making <laughs> or, or, or couldn't stay in character. There's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff that's, it's not perfect. Um, but I, I love that it's, it's masquerading as a dumb comedy, but it's a really smart movie. Like if you just watch Jim Carrey's antics, you'll think you're watching a normal dumb, you know, you know, nineties, you're watching Ace Ventura or a dumb and dumber. 
it kind of on surface level looks like that. But there's a lot going on under the surface. I think mm-hmm. it's actually a pretty thoughtful movie, uh, a thought provoking movie. And I love that about it. And you didn't get a lot of that <laughs> in the <laughs> 90s comedies. So it's still it's still kind of a special movie. But far from perfect. So I'm going to go higher than you guys. Um, and this is probably some great inflation. And then maybe some n- nostalgia inflation. Um, but but I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit younger than you guys. So this is one of those first movies I got into like, that made me think that I really liked that about it. So maybe maybe that's why it's got a special place for me. But yeah, I'm going to go A- minus on it. I still love the movie. Cool. <clears throat> you were talking about some of the characters, uh, you know, not knowing what movie they made. Do you feel like they possibly done some improv uh, in this thing that made it to screen and well, I and did some, some research characters on takes were, were, were back and forth, you know? Well, they, when they, they had like written this movie and fully cast it. And then Jim Carrey came on board and like made them remake the movie. This was not supposed to be a dark comedy at all. Hmm. It was supposed to be more of a lighthearted, you know, you know, bad friend, like eighties movie. Like a lot of those in the eighties where you had like, mm-hmm. like uncle buck or, you know, playing straight automobiles. You've got like a bad friend. Yeah. It was supposed to be that kind of movie, and Jim Carrey wanted it to be something else. And they completely reworked the script and made it into the dark comedy with sort of the, the message to it. And so I think Matthew Broderick signed up for a different movie. Um, I think some of these other characters, they just signed up to be in different movies, and it became a whole, a whole different thing once Jim yeah. Carrey got his, got his hands on it. So I, th- I think there's some of that. And I think that Matthew Broderick couldn't stay in character. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was different. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know how to transition this next part because <laughs> I mean, you know, Matthew Broderick's apartment was 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 fairly domesticated, but I don't know uh, how Jim. Hold on, Carrey's... hold on, hold on, hold on. I got you. I got, you, got you. you. You got me. I got you. Okay. Okay. Um, I think Jim Carrey was living in his cable van, so I definitely think we needed some fans in there to blow the 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 nasty out of that van. Let's go see if we can find some fans for this movie. <laughs> That'll work. Graphically Novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not-so-classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically Novel. Three brothers who like each other but love comics. <laughs> Alrighty. <laughs> Sammy, you're up after that uh, awkward All right. fans. <laughs> you know... <laughs> Here's the really funny thing. You, you know, both, both of you guys were kind of talking about Matthew Broderick. But I think one of the genius things with this is the casting. I think that having Matthew Broderick as Steven juxtaposed to Carrie's performance works so well. I really think it works because you have these two completely different personalities. One who who wants to please people and wants to do this and, and one who who really deep down just wants a friend and really doesn't know how to go about it. And like I said, becomes this toxic type of situation. So to have those two characters juxtaposed with those two actors, I thought really worked well. I thought that was believable for me. Um, you know, Carrie's the only actor I think that could out Jack Black, Jack Black in a movie. And, and he definitely did it here. So I just think that casting worked really well. When it worked. When it, okay. When it worked, it worked well. I, when, when, see, I, I think we could probably go through the movie and figure out the, on the, like, when, the, when in the filming process some of the scenes were filmed. Because I'm, I'm willing to bet that Medieval Times 
was filmed early in the shoot schedule. Because there's a couple of those scenes where like Matthew Broderick just doesn't know what to do with Jim Carrey. <laughs> like, like, like if, you, if you watch Matthew Broderick's face while Jim Carrey's doing the Silence of the Lambs bit, he has no idea what to do. <laughs> so there, there's, there's moments where it doesn't work. But I, I do I do think that he's a good, good he's a good Steven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Oh, I'm up next. My bad. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, so, like I said, I was I was a teenager when this movie came out, and I hadn't seen. I mean, I'd mostly watched like Predator and you know a lot of a lot of '80s action movies. That was sort of my my thing. I was starting. I would watch a lot of comedies. They were dumb comedies. They weren't you know things that had a lot of meaning behind them. So I, I love that this movie had like that it was thoughtful. I love that there was like messages in it. And so there's the, the whole thing with, you know, Chip, you know, the, his whole problem, one of his well, my whole problem is a lot of problems, but um, one of his main problems was, is that, you know, he, he had, he had fallen into this thing where he was only living other people's lives. And so he was, he wasn't living his own life. So there's like, they got my, my brain thinking about that. Um, how he's just it, it, like TV and movies are everything like that is all the life that he knows. Like he's got no life experience of his own and everything is filtered through that. Like, I mean, half the lines that he says in this movie are quotes from movies and TV shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's the whole, the, the thing about the isolating power of the screen. Like his mom just wants <laughs> to sit down with the babysitter. You know? <laughs> I'm going to go get you a little brother. Um, but it, but it led him to that extreme isolation and the danger of the screen. And how and how that isolated him and led, led him to that place where he was living through other people's lives. He was so isolated from from real relationships, real friendships, real experiences with humanity, and that really just isolated him and made him just that, that made him maniacally desperate to break out from that, to make a friend. And it led him to psychosis, basically. I mean, to I mm-hmm. mean, he, he's a he's a mess. Um, and a lot of it's just because he's been isolated by the screen. And and that's the and as I I. I as I rewatched it this time, I thought, if you just change that to smartphones now, mm-hmm. um, like you could remake this movie in a slightly different way. And, and, and the message would be just as resonant, if, if not more. And so I, I love that about this movie. It's, you know, you just, you watch, <laughs> you watch the karaoke party. You think you're just watching a dumb comedy. You watch Jim Carrey, you know, doing you know, medieval times. You think you're just watching a dumb comedy. I love that there's more to it. Like you, you, you get under the surface. There's a lot going on here. So I, I love that about this movie. And it was completely yeah. not noticed in 1996. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is there is definitely some foreshadowing, you know, uh, and some things that he says and some things that he does and happens you know, as far as taking over things using using the the cables and the and the um, I guess inner early internet and things the that they were having. Super kind of, highway. That's right. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's it's very interesting. But yeah, as I was watching, this, I was thinking too. You, you could just totally flop, you know, cable. Now to you know TikTok, YouTube, smartphones, mm-hmm. and and it would exactly be this generation. Yep. I mean, yep. we. I mean, we've got more people. I mean, not you know driven to chip level, <laughs> you know, you know, you know, mental messes. But I mean, we're even more isolated now by our phones. I mean, I mean, how many people don't have meaningful relationships with lives except for their you know pseudo relationships they have online? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you see, and you see people. I mean, even adults, you know, will be sitting in restaurants across from each other. Instead of having a conversation, they'll be scrolling through other people's, you know, comments on you know whatever media, you know, social media thing that they're doing there. Well, <clears throat> on a on a much lighter note, I'm going to wrap it up on this fan section here. 
Guys, what got me, what really put a smile on my face with this movie, you know, it being a dark comedy, it's hilarious. It's absurd. I love the darkness and humor, but what really put a smile on my face was this was essentially one huge nostalgic throwback. All of the references you see to the current, I mean, you see, you saw Ren and Stimpy. You have, you know, Tabitha Sword on MTV News. You have, you know, all of these, you know, Janine Garofalo, Andy Dick. Uh, you know, all of these cameos, you know, just little people popping in and out, Ben Stiller, just the music. You know, I'm hearing these songs, I'm like, I remember that. I, I dig that song. Yeah. God, I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to go listen to that again, you know, and, and just took me back to that era. This, you know, it was almost, you know, I know those were current references at the time, you know, which really, I guess, dated the movie for a few years. But, you know, now we're remo- we've removed it 20, 25 years. And now it's a nostalgic throwback. You know? <laughs> it just made me feel so old. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, it was 96 and we're 2001. So 25 years removed. Yeah, it's a nostalgic throwback. You know, exactly. So uh, it, that that was my fan. I mean, you know, the, the message is great. You know, they, you know, the performances are absurd and crazy. But I, it just kept bringing me back, and I'm like, I remember that. And you know, and when and when the situations would happen, and I know when he starts, like, hitting it off uh, with uh, Leslie Mann's character again, and you hear the smooth R&B in the back, you know, and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember. You know, you you put on some voice to me, and you know it's happening. You know, it's you know it's smooth. <laughs> you, you, you get some Joe to see some, you know, it's it's, it's going down, man. You know. <laughs> And then things start going badly, and why zombie comes in? Yeah, why zombie? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but just yeah, just just those cues and and all the little the little references, you know, Ren and Stimpy on TV, the fuzzy TV, the the CR, the big CRT tubes, or that the the big projection screen, you know, that finally popped up the the lava screen behind the uh, you know behind the lyrics for the karaoke. Th- thing uh, was really I was just like oh my gosh I remember all of this stuff (laughs) oh well um here I've got another transition for you so when this movie came out Roger Ebert gave this movie I think I think he gave it one star and he said that it was the giant mistake was you take Jim Carrey who everybody loves to like and you make him completely unlikable for 90 minutes so that was Roger Ebert's pan. <laughs> What's our pans for this movie, guys? He's not wrong. <laughs> Jamie, this being your pick, what do you have for us? Okay. Um, they didn't set up Chip and Steven's relationship as well as they could have. Um, I don't like as you watch the movie, like the having them connect at the beginning, they should have tightened that up a little bit. I don't know why Steven went to hang out with him for the first time. It doesn't make sense. Um, I don't I don't get why Steven agreed to do anything with him at the beginning. Like once you see him in evil times, you see he's not in a bad, not in a great <laughs> mental space and that he's in and he needs to get pulled out of himself. Like once that happens, you kind of you roll with it a little bit. Um but like they could have had one little thing, like maybe as Jim Carrey's putting his cable, he notices like his you know VHS shelf and mentions a movie. Turns out Steven's like a secret film buff. He can't talk about it at work. Um, can't talk about his you know his what he loves at work because it's an architecture place and his boss is terrible. So he's got nobody to talk about movies with. 
And so they bond over like a movie or something. And, and like it becomes this. We've all had those friendships, right? Where you're friends with like, you wouldn't normally be friends, but you have this one little shared interest that connects you. And it's the only place you can go to to talk about this one thing you like. We've all had those relationships. Um, but they could, they could have given him something like that. Some little end that would connect them to mother. Like, yeah, that's why, that's why Steven would hang out with Chip. And I feel like if they had just made that first connection stronger, that that would have made that relationship make even more sense and make it even more entangling as the movie went along. I feel like that, that would have, uh, the beginning of that should have been tighter. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But you don't feel like Jim Carrey's forceful invasion um, into his life is more appropriate for Carrie's character because, you no, know, no. Stephen, Stephen, yeah. you know, being, being, you know, fresh out of a, you know, he's having a break in a super serious relationship. He's kind of lost. He's in a new apartment. He's trying, he doesn't know what to do. He didn't know what went wrong. He's trying to find out how to make this work. And Carrie just comes and is like, Oh, I've got some answers. He's like, really? You know, yeah, sleepless in cell, you know, and he just starts invading himself into Matthew Broderick's space. I thought that was a very, very uh, appropriate telling of that uh, of that relationship. I, I just felt like that the there would have been a slightly a bit more tension is if if there was a point where Stephen was more into it. It was more because um, I feel like even at the beginning, even when he agrees to go see the dish with him or whatever, like he's he's reluctant from the beginning. I just felt like it would have made it feel like even more tragic and even more you know, yeah. more difficult, a more of a difficult scenario. If there was a point where Steven ha- had some guilt, like maybe I led this guy along, maybe more. Yeah. And, and right. made, I mean, if I could have twisted the relationship, it made it even more twisty. Yeah. If there had been, been like a moment where Steven was really into it. Okay. I see, I see what you're saying there. Yeah. Yeah. If, yeah it could have, it could have, you know, had, had more of a twist with that. But I think the, uh, I think the, you know, almost invasion of Carrie into his space was, was really telling of the character. You know, just how, how desperate he was. And, and, and the same thing, they, they made Steven a people pleaser. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, that was like the, like, that was how that played out. You know, Steve, like, yeah. saying, like Chip was invading and Steven's a people pleaser and that put him in a bad scenario. But it's like, I just, oh, I feel like it would have been like even more of like a dagger in Steven's heart, if he felt like it, part of it was his fault. Like, mm-hmm. like we bonded over this thing and it made it, you know, it made Chip stick to me even harder. So part of this is on me. In fact, that would have yeah. made that even more of a twist to the movie. And, you know, if this movie had been made in the past five years instead of 20 years ago, they probably would have started podcasting together. They would have something which, to talk about with other people. Chip. <laughs> I guess if I can't tell, it's me. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> right, Dwayne, what's your opinion? <laughs> so, so JB changes the subject. <laughs> <laughs> no, my pain is um, my pain is probably what made this movie. Uh, but it's it's kind of one of the things that that took me out of some scenes because it didn't allow other people to shine as brightly as maybe they could have. But man, Carrie sucked all the oxygen out of every room he was in. He just was that vacuum of attention and focus, uh, all eyes on me, you know. Um, and it really, I think, uh, you know, you could have had some some other, even, even your cameos could have shined a little brighter if he wasn't, you know, so all absorbing in this role. <laughs> 
It was Jim Carrey, and it was but Jim Carrey in the nineties. It was Jim Carrey in the nineties, you know, yeah. and, that's, and that's what you know people signed up to see. You know, when you, when you him, him and Jeff Daniels, you know, fresh out of Dumb and Dumber, you know, Ace Ventura, you have this, you know, it, it's and it's it, it is it's him sucking the oxygen from a room. Yep. All right, all right, guys. I guess I'll finish this off. Um, you know, I, I think at first. I was going to kind of just talk about the the type of humor. You know, sometimes this type of humor doesn't sit so well with me. Um, you know, I think we talked about it when even when we d- were reviewing Scream, I kind of mentioned, you know, even though I love the movie, you know, the manipulation aspect kind of bothers me a bit. Um, but, you know, now that I'm going to kind of swerve a little bit, because as Dwayne was talking about it, yeah, this is a total nostalgia trip for us. Could anybody else watch this movie and get enjoyment and get the I mean, because face it, even my three sons is separated from from us in terms of things we watch. Maybe you saw some reruns on TBS or something like that. of My three sons, you know, when he introduced himself as Chip Douglas, you know, most people would probably go, okay, you know, people who knew my three sons are probably going to be like, oh, I know who Chip Douglas is. You know, and he, he references the facts of life and he references all these types of things. And because it's us and it's the era we grew up in, we have emotional touchstones to those. So I don't know how accessible this movie is. You know, as I get older and start work and continue to work with people who are younger than me, uh, I realize how old I am <laughs> because I will make references and they will just stare at me like I'm talking a foreign language. Um, I made a reference to, about Elvira one day, and none of the young people had no earthly idea who Elvira was. And I'm like, okay. So, <laughs> but we're getting the the idea though, and so I just don't know how accessible this would be now. It's not. Yeah. I completely yeah. agree. How how many people? I mean, I'd say the people in their twenties don't know what a cable guy is. They don't yeah. know what cable is. Yeah. They don't like the whole the whole premise of what Chip does for a living. Like. The whole scenario doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense. I'll I'll, uh, I'll uh, put this in context. This happened this evening, this afternoon. My, my, we, were, we were driving through a section of town, and my son says, "What did that building used to be?" I said, "Oh, that used to be where you go where you went to buy your internet." <laughs> and he's like, "Huh?" I was like, "Yeah, you had to hook your computer up to your telephone line at the house." <laughs> And it had to dial a phone number and give it a code and connect. And if somebody called you, it disconnected. He said, well, how did you watch anything? I was like, oh, no, there was no watching videos on dial. No. It took, you know, minutes to download an image. You know, you could barely stream audio, just pure audio, you know, and you would have the buffering, you know, you remember it buffering, yep. you know, and, and I'm trying to explain this to an 11 year old and he's like, I wouldn't have liked that at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 Dwayne, you'll love this. I had a kid wearing a, a Pink Floyd t-shirt. I'm like, oh, Pink Floyd. I said, you listen to Pink Floyd? Now, I don't know who that is. I just like the yeah, T-shirt. Sure, yeah. <laughs> then, of and, course, and, I, I looked at one of the adults. I said, yeah, I didn't think they knew who Pink Floyd was. And they went, I don't either. 
I'm too old. I feel like yeah. I feel like the meme, you know, the the the, the middle guy, you know, standing over the the young person with the rock shirt on, saying, "Name three songs." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 you've got this great cool logos and stuff. Name three songs. <laughs> All right, guys. Ready to get some awards. Let's do it. Noodle <laughs> All right. I am up with best performance. And you know, I know we've talked before about grades and what the movie set out to be. Did it achieve what it was? And, you know, I guess with best performance, you want to say, did it make, you know, did the person do the performance they were aiming for? And I'm going with Jim Carrey. Because he was going for over the top, he got over the top. <laughs> he was, he was a, just a bit much insane, psychotic. What you know, just, just over that edge. Uh, you know, he 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 went to eleven, like Nigel Tunfels amp. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm gonna agree, and uh, with almost everything you said, like he is, he's over the top. But that's what this character needed. Um, it works for the role. Now, it's still there's still a lot. <laughs> But, just a bit but he had some left over but i think we're starting to see this is i think that we're, we're starting to see those little bit like a little bit of wrinkles like there's that jim carrey's got more range than just ace ventura in dumb and dumber mm-hmm. um because he, he does a very good job here of really selling the darkness of chip's obsession like we've seen obsessed jim carrey before we we hadn't seen this level of darkness from him and he really sells that but also there's those vulnerable moments that the chip does. And and I think it's the first time we'd seen Jim Carrey do anything like that. Mm-hmm. And he really sells that vulnerability in the moments when it, when it's needed. And so I, I think he does a good job here. Okay. Um, I'm going to go the other way guys that I know <laughs> we, we've talked about how Matthew Broderick was kind of in and out. Um, but I really liked his performance in this. I just have to keep going back to it. You know, Broderick will always be Ferris Bueller to me. And, you know, Ben Stiller takes cool and smooth Ferris, and we get this every man in, in Steven. And, you know, despite the fact that he's going through the breakup, I mean, the guy's got a pretty stable life. I mean, he's got a stable job. I mean, all this kind of stuff. And then you insert Jim Carrey's character, Chip, Ernie, Ricky Ricardo, whoever you want to call him. <laughs> um, stick him right there in the middle of it and completely upend everything. I mean, and, and I guess I, I can't imagine, you know, if, if someone enters your life like that, it just completely just wrecks everything that you've worked your whole life to try to be on the straight and narrow and do what's right. And boom, next thing you know, you're sitting in jail, you know, kind of deal. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wasn't being super critical of Matthew Broderick. I, I didn't mean to sound that way. Like I just there's, there's a I, I can say I think it's early in the shoot, and Matthew Broderick had never worked with a Jim Carrey type before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what do I do with this person? <laughs> well, well, you know, it's two totally different schools of acting. You yeah, know, yeah. I mean, and and you know, this is Jack Black month, and and I think Black can be the same way. I mean, sometimes I think. Other actors are not sure how to react because a lot of this, I guarantee, is completely off the cuff. So, I mean, some of it probably wasn't scripted. I mean, a lot of it probably. <laughs> yeah. But, I, but like the, the moments where Steven's like really getting obsessed, like when they're playing the password game and 
when when they're in county lockup. I mean, Matthew Broderick is rolling with Jim Carrey at that at that point. Like he's got it. He's figured out what he needs to do with his face while Jim Carrey's doing Jim Carrey things. Right. Yeah. And and it does work. I I don't think it's a bad performance. I just think you like, you can kind of tell like he was <laughs> there had to be an adjustment period. He's figuring it out. <laughs> what's 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 this guy doing? <laughs> yeah. All right, so I guess I'm going best scene first, fellas. Um, I think for me, I've got to go medieval times. I love that scene. From Janine Garofalo as the server to Andy Dick as the liege, uh, I just think it's so good. And and then it crescendos with that battle royale between Steven and and, and Chip. And it's just, it's so much fun and cracks me up through, through that whole portion. So. You skipped the clincher. I knew why you were going to choose it. It's a star. It becomes Star Trek themed. It's Star that's Trek true. night at medieval that, that's times. Right. We 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 don't. I've talked yeah. about Star Trek. I'm trying not to overdo it here, guys. You know, but yes, we 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 do end up with Kirk and Spock in the arena. You know, battling each other. <laughs> That was one of my two, because um, that's just an epic scene. I love that. I love Andy Dick. I don't think he's played around. <laughs> um, but my, my, my tie was for the final confrontation on the dish. And we finally see what's really wrong with Chip and how he wakes up for a second to kill the babysitter. I think it's really well done. It's well performed. And I think that's the, the most vulnerable we had seen Jim Carrey to that point. I feel like that for me, that's 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 the scene where he locked up best performance for me. But it's just a really good scene. And we see that Stephen's a good dude, even at the end of it, after all of the nonsense he's put him through, the absolute flaming wreck he's made of his life. He's still trying to be kind to him. He doesn't want him to jump. You know, he's mm-hmm. trying to be. You know, there's a generosity to Stephen that I really like there. So it's a, it's a great scene. Yeah, I want to um, add something to your great scene there. Um, with the court case that is kind of built through the oh, movie yeah. with, with Ben Stiller. I, I don't know if if you guys remember though, the, uh, that uh, this is kind of an analog for the, for the OJ case you know, that was 100%. going everybody was on the edge of their seat for everybody was gathered on the TV watching what's going to happen. What's going to happen is easy, easy. And then it cuts off and then people start going back to their lives. You know, they're, they're disconnected. That, that was beautiful. And it really made that a great scene. And, uh, you know, you got, I had a couple great scenes, uh, laid down here and you guys took all of them, but one, <laughs> and I want to bring attention to this one. Now, now Jamie, I thought it was going to be yours because of your background this week, but the bathroom <laughs> beat down. Of Owen Wilson. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> It's creepy. It's scary. It's brutal. It's hilarious. It's absurd. It's 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 Jim Carrey being being crazy. Now, thankfully, Jim Carrey's being incredibly over the top because if you've watched this movie, you know, seventy five times, and you watch Owen Wilson's face on a rewatch, he's laughing through this entire scene. Yeah, it's so bad. Yeah, yep. it, 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 yeah, that was one thing that I noticed. And even in the first watch, I'm like, okay, Owen Wilson just just can't even handle, you know, <laughs> the, the craziness. Well, he's just like a dummy, you know. Most of the time, you Carrie's just throwing him around, and he just yeah. he's just like, okay, you know, I'm just cra- I'm just here cracking up, you know. But, I, I, but yeah, I'm Carrie with takes you. a lot of that attention. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, Jim Carrey's going nuts, and that mustache draws a lot of the eyeballs. Oh yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. I, the I, mustache I, I, and the aviators. <laughs> 
Yeah, but on the first watch, you usually don't notice that Owen Wilson's not into that scene at all. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah well, I noticed. Oh, yeah, I noticed, yeah. It, noticed a lot. And Sammy, I don't know if those were aviators or Christy Brinkley shades. Yeah, really. <laughs> those, those were the big <laughs> if, if, he, if he would have had blonde feathered hair with those shades, it would have matched. Oh, yeah. All right, well, I, I'm up next on best character, and um, I'm going to go with Chip. I know he's terrible. He's a horror show in human flesh, but he's really the only, like, really interesting person in this movie. Um, we like Steven. Steven's a good dude. He's, you know, he's the most relatable guy in the movie. Um, he's got a real generosity of spirit that it's easy to like. But Chip's got the most going on. Now, it's mostly bad stuff going on. <laughs> <laughs> but as we see more and more of the flashbacks, did you did you know who the mom was? Who Chip's mom is? Yeah. Oh, mercy. But it, it blanked. It's Kathy Griffin. For, yeah, Kathy Griffin. That's it. Yeah. But uh, the more we see of his flashbacks, and we we see the the final reveal, reveal at the end, um, he, he's he's easy to feel for. Um, I mean, he was basically abandoned as a child. He was abandoned in front of a TV, and it, it messed him up. He was probably going to be a neurotic person anyway. But the way the way his mom raised him, I mean, you kind of feel for him. Is as horrible as he's been to Stephen. He's easy to you know to you know have empathy for. Him. And so, yeah, Chip. Sorry, guys. No, I, I, I've got to agree, though, um, and only because I do like that. That's the nuance of the character. It's the fact that, yes, he is this disturbing, you know, psychosis of a man on one side. But then you can still feel, like you said, empathy for, for what he's went through. And, and you know, it's like I said, essentially, he's trying to find a friend. I mean, even at the end, you know, the Medivac EMT. I mean, <laughs> I mean, already, am I really buddy? Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you, and you feel for that, you know, because, you know, you know, people who, who they just want to find somebody they can connect with. And, and, and so you, so it's the both sides of that character. And I think that's the most nuanced, probably this is one of the most, despite the, the humor sometimes doesn't land with me. I think it's the most nuanced portrayal that Jim Carrey's probably given us. More than just, even though he's over the top, there's still something else to it. Dwayne's just Lloyd Christmas didn't do it for you in Dumb and Dumber? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I still know. haven't watched that movie. I could not get oh, myself no. to watch that movie. You know, um, Curious, Curious had some interesting roles, though. I, I, I mean, as far as his portrayals, he's he's even with you know, some dramatic stuff and even his uh, adaptation into um, Andy Kaufman with Men on the Moon was yeah. very, very nuanced and, and interesting. I, and it was still kind of Jim Carrey, but but even Andy Kaufman had some of those absurdities mm-hmm. and mannerisms, but he really took the, the, the weird, you know, that Kaufman for that. But, uh, I'm going to go, uh, which was really the, your gateway into this movie though, uh, as far as a character is probably the most grounded, you know, you're talking about Stephen Matthew Broderick's character, Stephen Kovacs. Um, he is really your gateway into this character. He's he's your anchor. You can't latch on to Jim Carrey because he's all over the place. You, know, you have to have someone to latch on to. You have to have that emotional vulnerability. You have to have that every man, somebody steady. You know, And that's exactly my notes. Uh, Sam, you had spoken about him in your best performance as being the every man. My exact note was Matthew Broderick. He's an every man that gets sucked into Carrey's vacuum. You know? 
the dark vacuum too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, that's that's really what this movie is. You know, he's just just this plain guy who who gets drawn in, and you and he's your identification point. He's your entry point into this. And what I like about Stephen, he's he, he's always trying to do the right thing. Like, he 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 doesn't want to be cruel to Chip, even as Chip's in in you know over invaded his life and is manipulating him and is being awful. He's still trying to do the right thing. He wants to let the guy down easy. So there, there's a, there's a lot to like about Stephen. Yeah, he definitely is a patient character <laughs> to, to, to a fault in many ways, but you know, definitely patience. Yeah. Well, next up is best quote, and I am leading off here. And guys, I'm going to take a, a line from Chip uh, when he's, you know, essentially giving a prophecy in 1996. And he's, how accurate is this? He says, the future is now. Soon, every American home will integrate their television, phone, and computer. You can do your shopping at home or play Mortal Kombat with a friend from Vietnam. There is no end to the possibilities. And I mean, and I remember, you know, in this era, the internet just barely being a thing. And I know we're kind of in a rural area, but still, you know, we had no clue what this was going to be. And, mm-hmm. you know, to to those extents, you know, I mean, how much do I mean, Amazon, Walmart, you know, even even your, your, your regionally locally owned grocery stores are doing online grocery pickup. You know, if not delivery to your home in a lot of cases. Yeah. So it's it's really, really wild, you know, and we, and we can maintain relationships across the globe. You know, how much has our world shrank when we can, you know, in real time communicate with someone on the exact opposite end of the earth? You know, when in the past it would take, you know, six months to get a letter across the United States. Now in less than six milliseconds, we're talking to someone in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that was. Let, let me let me go last, Sammy. That that's a really good one. And I, I wonder too, because he gave the same speech to Robin when he takes up there. I wonder how many people have heard that line. <laughs> yeah, you got to wonder. Yeah. yeah. It's All right. Um, I I just had to go with a, a small chip quote, just because it made me laugh. I had to learn the facts of life <laughs> from watching <laughs> the facts of life. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that was I one just, of my two. You know, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have. Facts of love. Facts of love. All right. Uh, so that, that was one. I was going to go with the, the fuller quote we talked about. Okay. <laughs> His mom wanted him to be raised by Mike and Carol Brady. Yep. He's the lost son of Claire Hextable, the whole day. I'm the lost Cunningham. <laughs> um, but I'm going to go with, it's almost the same scene. It's like a continuation of that same vibe that's going on there. But uh, so he's dangling off the ledge above the, uh, the, the giant dish. And Steven's trying to, you know, Steven's being a good dude again. It's like, you'll be fine. I'll be your pal. Just come on up. And so Chip says, no, it's too late for me. But there are a lot of little cable boys and girls out there who still have a chance. Don't you understand, Steven? Somebody has to kill the babysitter. <laughs> I just love yeah. I, I love that he's, he's going to kill the babysitter. Yep. Yeah. That's that's really what this movie needed. Kill the babysitter. Yeah. <laughs> but Sammy had the right answer. <laughs> that 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 line just cracks me up e- even more than the rest of it. I mean, the lost cutting hair. Yeah. You know. The, yeah. 
you know, when he was talking about being the, 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 yeah, the, the, the son of, yeah. 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 He watched a lot of Nick at night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was even before Nick at night, wasn't it? Oh, was it? No, 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 no. I was, I was, no. yeah. I think, I think it started early 90s. Okay. So, but he, yeah. he probably wasn't watching Nick at Night. I watched some Nick at Night. He, he probably did, but. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Not saying I empathize. You know, I, I, you know, I relate to Jim Douglas or anything. <laughs> All right, guys. No. You want to draft this thing? I'm ready. All right. You're well, we're drafting. Uh, I'm going to win this draft, too. No. Uh, oh, no. Oh, no, you're not. All right. So this is a 90s comedy, a fairly infamous 90s comedy. <laughs> I was actually surprised it got good grades all around. <laughs> um, this is not a beloved movie, guys. So um, you're in the uh, select minority. But let's choose, uh, for our draft, we're going to choose 90s comedies that we love and that probably more people like than like the cable guy. And so, since this was my selection, I get to go first. And this is not my actual first choice, but I'm sniping Sammy because I don't think it'll make it to the second round. So, for the first selection in the top 90s comedy draft, I'm selecting Galaxy Quest. Okay. I like it. Just under the gun, too. It's 99, so... Still counts. <laughs> Still counts. All right. I think, Sam, I think you're next. Is that right? All right. Go, go. So, um, I've, I think for number one, guys, I'm going to have to go with Tommy Boy. 1995. They scratched that off the list. Um, <clears throat> I think of, of all the movies on my list, I've probably seen Tommy Boy the most. And if I don't pick Tommy Boy... Kendra will be really angry because that is one of her favorite movies ever. Uh, so I've got to go Tommy Boy. <laughs> so you so you don't like Jim Carrey's kind of comedy, but you're okay with Chris Farley. It, it's a weird thing, okay? It's a, it's a weird thing. You know, I'll admit. So freely admit. Oh, oh we're going to get even weirder in a minute. So let's just let's keep going. Well, right. you know, there is something about a fat man in a little jacket. <laughs> That guy in a little coat. <laughs> we killed Bambi. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with you. I love that movie too. It was absolutely, I absolutely had to scratch it off just now. <laughs> well, uh, you know, Jamie, I know you referred to this one as a smart comedy. I, I, I think it's more no, of no, a no, dumb, no, 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 a smart dumb comedy. A smart comedy. Well, <laughs> and I, but you know, one thing that I think is a really, really smart comedy that that has Jim Carrey in it as well is the Truman Show. I love that comedy. I love the message of that movie. That's a good one. Yeah, the Truman Show. All right. Just a few after this one. All right, guys. I'm trying to be strategic here. Um, What do I want to make sure I get? Let's go Army of Darkness. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I was much later seeing that movie. Uh, I'd seen Evil Dead and Evil Dead, the second part, which is the first movie made over again. But, you know, that kind of thing. But I hadn't seen Army of Darkness so much later in life. I, I missed that one, but it's a good one. 
I saw it when it came out and didn't know it was the third part of the series. <laughs> I just saw Army of Darkness. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, so, so you were you were throwing off my my Chris Farley comedy. So I've got to go to Mike Myers comedy. Oh, Austin Powers, no. international man of mystery. Shoot. Yeah, baby. <laughs> It's British. I should have known you would grab that. I could have saved Army of <laughs> for the third round. <laughs> now, the first one. The, the other two were funny, but the first one's the best one. I yeah, think. 100%. Mm. Well. Okay. I think, I think. now, Dwayne, there's a movie. If you don't pick it, I'm going to harass you if you don't take it. Okay. Before, when this draft is over. Well, I don't know because I, I was expecting your all's draft boards to be. Mine's very different, apparently, than your all's. Because okay. I, I, I mean, I, I mean, I love the movies that we've named, but they're not on my draft. Um, I'm gonna go with the another dark comedy directed by Terry Gilliam, starring one Johnny Depp. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. <laughs> If you've never seen this movie, it's absolutely absurd. It's a reporter and his friend going to Las Vegas, tripped out of their mind on illegal substances, and all of the hilarity, hallucinations, and paraphernalia that ensues. Fear and loathing in Las Vegas. Right, so here's what we're learning tonight. What we're learning is, is we have very similar tastes in science fiction, fantasy, and action movies. <laughs> very different tastes in comedies. Yes, <laughs> no, I, I love um, I love Tommy Boy. I love, um, <laughs> but yeah. Okay, um, my last pick. Okay, I'm gonna go with Mars Attacks. <laughs> ack, ack. The only good Tim Burton movie. <laughs> you know next year we're doing a Tim Burton night. You just better get ready, buddy. <laughs> gonna get laryngitis for a moment. <laughs> Notice he said he wasn't gonna get the corona because we can still do the virtual <laughs> get laryngitis. <laughs> We'll, we'll have you text your. We'll have you like, text, <laughs> type to text your uh, responses. There you go. You, you can do a Stephen Hawking thing, right? Just send it to us. <laughs> All right, guys. Man, third pick. Man, I've got some other movies on here. I, I don't know what's pick. Um, I think probably the other one that I've watched the most out of all these is Mall Rats. Kevin oh, Smith. That's a good one. That's a good Mall one. Rats. That's, that's a good one. Um, you know, obviously one of the best lines ever. I can't say it completely correct, you know, but, you know, just because a guy collects comic books, don't think he can't start anything, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I've got five movies left you guys haven't named, and I need to pick one, and I don't know where to go. Hmm. Give me a number, guys. One, five, one through five. Give me a number. We can do honorable mentions when it's over. Yeah, we can do some honorable mentions. Okay. Yeah. Small mentions. Yeah. okay. Well, I'm going to go My Cousin Vinny. That was on my list, definitely. Joe Pesci, Marissa Tormey, Ralph Macchio. <laughs> yeah. But Fred, Fred Gwynn, Herman Fred, Masters, yeah, the yeah, Judge. Masters, <laughs> the that was a good one. It is. That one was on my list also. 
Okay, I, I, I think I think part of the reason. Um, that's my. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> All right, sorry. Um, I think part of the, I think I think part of um, the, the our slight age gap is showing here because I'm picking mm-hmm. the movies that I enjoyed when I was a teenager in the nineties. Right. So, uh, so like my cousin Vinny was like, if I was a, a few years older, that probably would have been even funnier to me. I did I did right. enjoy it, but I was like fifteen when that came out, so it wasn't oh. exactly aimed right at me. Um, so honorable mentions, I've got a couple I just want to mention. And Dwayne, here's the one I thought you were gonna pick. It's a I think it's a perfect Dwayne movie, Wayne's World. Yeah. It was yeah. it was close to on my list, but I didn't okay. choose it just for that reason. And being Dwayne, I get Wayne's World so much. I'm almost over it. I mean, I love the movie. I love my time, but it's, it's just kind of a, okay. Wayne's World, party on. But it, it's, it's so. It, but like all the comedy is like music comedy. I just felt it, like it would have been yeah, right it, up your alley. It's, it is. It's right up my alley. And I know all of you are not worthy. So. <laughs> See, I, I've got one of those as an honorable mention also that, that I thought Dwayne may have went with. And that's Empire Records. Yeah, that's a good one. I love that movie anyway. I love that movie too. So. Yeah. That's kind of a dramedy. I, th- I think I, I think it may have put it in a different category in my brain. Right. Because it never even occurred to me. And I, lo- I love that movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well, one of my honorable mentions, I thought maybe Jamie would have went with uh, a, a John Favreau pick, Swingers, a good, smart, snarky comedy. Yeah, yeah that that should have been on the list. Uh, that probably should have been taken for a '90s comedy. Um, we didn't. Nobody took Office Space. That if we'd been a fourth round, I would have picked Office Space. Yeah. Uh, you know what would have been cooler if you picked. Dazed and confused. All right, all right, all right. (laughs) (laughs) And and this is probably only uh, my my other my my last honorable mention is one that probably only appeals to a '90s teenager. But I loved, loved, loved Clueless. That's all. That was that was going to be my next pick. The movie is so. When I watched it in the '90s, I was like, okay, this is just retarded. (laughs) But later you know watching a second third time and like this is really genius and it's such a, a, an interesting smart comedy it's it's so dumb it's smart it's kind of those money python things you're just like it's so absurd but i love that movie too clueless was was definitely on my list my last pick was friday <laughs> you know first of the month come around you ain't got no money for no rent you ain't got to worry about catching a dog. You got to be worried about a dog catching you. <laughs> I've never seen Friday. Oh my gosh. Debo. <laughs> well, the only thing I was going to mention about Clueless before before Friday was, you know, and it's further proof that Paul Rudd has an age to be a. I had a Paul Rudd. I had a Paul Rudd joke teed up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Clueless, Romeo and Juliet, and Ant Man. Yeah, he's all the same age. Yeah, uh, two two years of Paul Red time have occurred between them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically. Well, as we really dis- need to explore the possibility that Paul Red might be a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as we know, you know, Paul Red may be a vampire uh, as immortal. We know Keanu is. So here is our Keanu connection. We know he's on the cable. We know he's all over the streaming services. But how does he connect to the cable guy? Jamie? 
Well, we could go with an easy one and say that he once had a cable plugged into the back of his head. Um, and at one point, I thought I might have to go that direction. But we do have an actual Keanu connection. All right, here we go. So TV has a long and mostly tragic history of adapting popular movies into usually terrible short-lived TV series. But occasionally it works out. So here's some examples. Some of these worked out. Some of these were train wrecks. We've got Ash versus the Evil Dead. Yeah, your taste varies on whether that was successful or not. Um, Alienation. I liked it. Thought it was a pretty good show. Uh, Bates Motel. Blade the series. That was a thing for a hot minute. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, Slayer. That's a winner. Casablanca. Yep. Casablanca was a TV show. <laughs> okay. There was a Clark's show. Cobra Kai is a big hit. Uh, the Crow series was a problem. Um, there was an Exorcist series. Fargo was, was apparently a, a great show. I haven't seen it, but I hear rave reviews. There was a Highlander series. Doesn't make any sense. Um, there can be only one, um, uh, unless you watch the TV series. Um, <coughs> there was uh, A League of Their Own. Loved the movie. TV show I was excited about because I was too young to know it was going to be terrible, and it was terrible. Um, <laughs> Lock, Stock, the series. Oh, yes, wow. Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels had a TV show. Minority Report had a TV show for a hot minute. Yeah. 13 years after the movie. Yep. Um, I fell into a hole looking that up. Um, my Big Fat Greek Life, the Terrible Planet of the Apes show, Starman, all of the Stargate shows. There was a Taken show for a, for a, for a second. Does not make any sense? Uh, Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, Tremors. There was a Tremors TV show. There was an Uncle Buck TV show. And the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, which a young Jamie loved very much. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, most of those things stink, though. But I'm still thankful this kind of thing happens because one of them provided us with our Keanu connection. In The Cable Guy, a man named Christopher Michael plays arresting officer. <laughs> yes, this took a minute. But on the Parenthood TV show, he plays a someone named Captain. Well, as we all know, Keanu was theme. in the was in the original 1989 Parenthood. So Christopher Michael, weird movie to TV adaptations in the Parenthood are this week's Keanu connection. <laughs> Kaboom. I see he's a, must be a top cast. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> Captain, Captain and arresting officer. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Once you figure out who this guy is, yeah, he's probably wearing a badge in a lot of his it's tiny parts. All right, guys, that was our review of The Cable Guy. I hope you had uh, more fun listening to our review than maybe watching the movie or maybe just as much fun because uh, it, it can be fun and entertaining in, in its own special way. It's not a bad movie at all. Well, next week we have no review, but we have the news. There's been lots of rumblings in the Nerdverse, lots of uh, tremors in the Force, uh, in the Matrix, and all of the streaming services and movie theater realms. Jamie, as we get our newsroom ready, what are we going to do? We're going to get prepared to watch something called Matrix 4 Resurrections. I think that's the name of it. As we keep it nerdy. 